Hey guys, it's uh, Andy here in another episode of the Mountain Malarkey Podcast with Dave. Hello everybody. How are we doing Dave? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Got something a little different today. Very different, yeah. So what we've done is we realised that uh, when we do the Tuesday tune-in over on Facebook, um, which we've been doing during lockdown... We had some comments and requests around, um, you know, not everyone's on Facebook, but people still wanted to hear about the content. There's been some great stuff. We've yeah. talked about bags. We've talked about Battle of the Treks. we talked about trekking boots, mindset, fitness, loads of stuff. And we thought to ourselves, well, why don't we turn these into podcasts? Because like you said, Dave, they're, they're sitting down listening for an hour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, we've got a couple of, we had a couple of special guests, didn't we? We had a new head of operations over in Nepal. Yep. Uh, Lee Wardle, Ironman triathlete. Um, gym owner and all around nice guy um, yeah and there's there's so much good information and good content there that and not everybody is on Facebook or yeah. can sit there and watch a video for an hour and a bit doing nothing so yeah this is a great format you can do it on the go put it in your car listen to it it's a bit interactive so you're going to have seen us answer questions and stuff like that yeah it's a little bit different um, you know but if you're listening to this obviously yeah um, and you have any questions about any of the things you hear uh, podcast at evertrack.co.uk Awesome Dave, yeah, enjoy the episode and uh, we'll catch up with you soon Yeah, all the best Hey everyone, um, yeah, thanks for, for, for joining us another Tuesday tune in um, Yeah, who's with us today? Let's have a little look So Marky V on Hadrian Wall Mark, nice to see you, you, you're stopping for a cup of mate No rush, keep hydrated um, But yeah, I hope you're enjoying Hadrian's Wall I've seen some pictures, it looks fantastic there um, who else is on the live, Dave? Anyone you can see? I've got Mark, Ramona, Gavin, Joel. Yeah, we've live. got we've got Sinead, Mona, Paul Dewhurst. That was deliberate. Um, Jane Adele Moody. Jane Adele Moody. Is the Adele new? I can't ever remember there being an Adele. I suppose this could be a different Jane Moody. Um, Vu Walker. Hey, how you doing, Vu Walker? Um, Mick Hamilton, obviously. What else is he going to be doing on a Tuesday but watching us? He's a legend, that man. Um, I tell you what, um, do, you know what my, do you know what my favourite mountain is, and Island Peak. <laughs> I, I thought it was Island Peak, yeah. I think we've been discussing Island Peak a while. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's still there, Mick. Still there, mate. Wait yeah, yeah I've, had, um, I've had word down from the Kumbu. It's definitely still there. Um, yeah, not many people have been to the top, though, so it's waiting for you. Dewey, how's it going, Dewey Bat? Dewey, nice to nice to see you here, mate. Tina, Chris, Jane. Well, look, we we got heaps of people on. Great to see some good numbers today. Um, yeah, and I thought today might be good because um, you know, me and Dave were thinking about okay, what do we talk about today? We've talked about a lot of different stuff, and you know, this this week was actually the first week we were able to run a trip, um, albeit in the UK. Um, you know, but we'll 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 take it um since it was the first time since march last year so you know it felt pretty good here at uh, evertrack hq just being able to run a trip yeah um dave i know that you know we were super stoked uh, i know we were chatting to steve last week uh, who ran the trip for us and uh, up in up in north wales and i think we got a couple of people who were on that trip on the live so yeah diane's on the live give us some um great little feedback from it but yeah i uh, hope you enjoyed it diane look, photos look fantastic um was quite quite uh, quite jealous um but yeah it was just great to be able to run a trip uh, you know get back to doing what we love um we got another training weekend this weekend which is with myself uh dave will be at base camp but i'll be out there in the mountains with some of you ever trekkers can't wait for that yep uh, and also as well we got our first trip abroad since march this weekend which is in mount tubical yeah 
was a team of 18 because we had a lot of people booked in on that day and now it's just down to one right Dave one man yeah one man standing yeah. so kim kim is the last one there um tina we should say tina hope you're doing yeah. very well she had um what started out as an awesome trip and then i think went a bit sideways but um yeah tina hope you're doing very well kim yep 100 percent. he's on his way um friday i believe he's on way friday yeah Can't wait I, sh- I, I, should, I, sh- I should know such things but i think it is friday yeah <laughs> yes no we can't wait um although uh, you know it's just one person that's gone over to Tubcal. Um, we were kind of determined to keep that date. Uh, I know a lot of people have chosen to reschedule and, you know, fair dues, it's a bit mad right now, isn't it, with, with travel and, and all the hoops you've got to jump through. We know that. Um, you know, I, I was over in Spain last week and, and obviously there's things you've got to do to go over there and to come back. Um, you know, so, yeah, it's it's one of those things. But, yeah, uh, fair dues for, for Kim to be able to go over there um, and, you know, um, can't wait to see the, to see the Evertrek flag. Um, the banner on the summit. Um, so Kim, yeah, can't wait to, to see you out there, mate. Um, Jamal, looking forward to receiving you yep. um, when you land. So right, but Dave, right, let's, let's crack on with today then. Obviously, I know that running all these trips, we we're talking a little bit about training. You know what experience people need. Yeah, it's kind of started off that conversation, didn't it? So we thought let's talk about that today. Let's talk about okay, what experience actually do you need in terms of training? And what type of training is better? I mean, do you need to climb Ben Nevis three times yeah. a week? And that's the kind of level you need to be at or, you know, do you need to be focusing on the time? Do you need to be focusing on the distance? And that sparked today's live, Dave, didn't it? Yeah, exactly. So we, we did. Um, so obviously yesterday they went up and did this. Uh, four guys did the Snowdonia Explorer trip. Well, not yesterday. Sorry, it was over the weekend. Um, and yeah, it just got us thinking, you know, because we were talking about trips and obviously then we've got Tupcal going ahead. So the first few you know rays of light are coming through the cloud now trips are starting to go here and there and we just uh obviously that as soon as trips start going the questions about training and fitness and stuff like that come up and we haven't done one for a while we've got some new faces so what we thought about is yeah we'll just do a bit of a we'll, we'll talk about the do's and don'ts of training for high altitude trekking and yeah. what we do and what's worked for us what's failed for us and you know how fit do you need, actually need to be to go to everest base camp and then obviously the difference between training for something like base camp and then Aconcagua, you know, and yeah. where you want to sort of place yourself because they are different. So, yeah, that's what we thought we'd do. Nice, nice, Dave. Well, where should we start? I mean, I suppose let's go into, and obviously our classics. I know we, we briefly touched on Island Peak, we talked about Tupcal. Yeah. Um, if, if you got the email we sent out earlier, we mentioned Killy, mentioned base camp, Dave mentioned Aconcagua there. I mean, essentially, any high altitude trip um, that you're going on, uh, you know, that could be to base camp, Killy, Island Peak, Annapurna, Machu Picchu, you know, whatever, whatever you're going, um, you know, I think one of the biggest obstacles that we had before was around fitness and people thinking, okay, you know, how, how fit do I actually need to be then? Yeah. And, you know, it is a very good question, but something that we, we kind of do push back on because, you know, you don't need to be an elite athlete. You don't need to be, um, you know, climbing bed nevis three times a week. Um, it, it certainly helps. And, and we always say this, guys, you know, that the amount of training that you do will help you'll have a far better time. Um, but sometimes it's just about getting the kind of miles in there. So a big one, I suppose we'll start off is, is what's more important than going the distance and doing say 15 miles or doing sort of four or five hours of just hiking in the mountains. Yep. And Dave, question to you, what's more important? Yeah, uh, <laughs> 100% it's, it's more time than miles. You know, it's about building endurance in the legs and and strength over time in the legs. Yeah. You know, so you want to be a marathon runner, not a sprinter, really. Yeah. You know, so 
what I always say is when people ask me the question, what's the longest day on the base camera trek, for instance, I actually don't know off the top of my head because when you're there, you don't ever calculate the distance you walk in terms of miles. When you ask the yeah. guides, how far is it to Dingboche, they won't say six miles, they'll say six hours. You know, and that, that's how you calculate the time because one, walking a mile at sea level doesn't, you know, it takes about 20 minutes on average, uh, depending on how fast you walk. And then that a mile at altitude can take you the same 20 minutes or it can take you an hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's so building that time in the mountains is something that I concentrated on. The first time I ever went to base camp, I remember I did loads of training. Me and Andy did training together. Uh, my friend Billy, we did training together. And what we would do is rather than think about, okay, we're going to go and walk 10 miles today, we'd go into the Brecon Beacons and say, right, we're going to do six hours today. Yeah. You know, we're just going to find a route, walk it six hours. If we've got an hour to spare, we'll do a bit of exploring down that ridge. Inevitably, it might be a bit longer. And I find that that helped, you know, because when you're out in the mountains, when you're going up Kilimanjaro and you're walking for long periods of time, you might be able to walk 10 miles. But if it takes you three hours, you're not necessarily going to be prepared to walk for 15 hours. Yeah. <laughs> you know, although you can do the mileage, your legs aren't used to sustaining that level of energy for so long. So, yeah, definite hours, I would say. Yeah, I agree. I think um, time is, is is the key here. Um, you know, if you do get some questions, drop into the inbox sometimes and like, you know, can you give us daily distances? And we always, you know, if we got that data, we will because we, we, we do keep the distances from when we're on the trips because we've got our, our Garmin's and, and some of our yep. trackers have, have, have shared that data with us as well, um, uh, you know, which is great, uh, you know, from all the trips. Um, but more importantly, it is the hours uh, that you're, you're actually doing it, because if you do, if you do go out on terrain and, and, and not everyone lives in the mountains, they, I, I think Bry's on here, you know, he, he's, he's a keen runner himself, but he hasn't got many mountains around him. So for him to get out for, you know, four hours on Saturday or whatever, um, it, it, it's kind of fine because it, it's flat, but, you're still out, you're still walking. Um, and on these trips, you know, okay, there's a couple aside, you know, if you're climbing, maybe if you're on, uh, you know, the Ring of Fire trip, for instance, or you're climbing Aconcagua or Elbrus, then, you know, or Island Peak, there are there is some, some bits of climbing around and, you know, it's not technical climbing. Um, whereas all the other trips you do, you're just walking essentially. So if, you know, if you can just get out there and walk for, you know, four or five hours, then that's what you're going to be doing at altitude. Obviously, the fitter you are, you know, your body's going to be better at altitude. Yeah. That's how you acclimatize. And, you know, if you can get used to that um, and just doing the time rather than the distance, um, you know, you, you will do better at altitude um, because you'll be used to it. Yeah, um, 100%. That's what guides will be communicating to. I mean, you know, some of them who are really on it, you know, and they're really into their data and, and they'll, you know, they'll be able to tell you, okay, we've got like 4.6 miles and all this. So, you know, you get some who are really on it. But most of the time, you know, and to be honest, the key is just around time. Um, so try and, you know, think about that. If you're out in the mountains and you're training, and, and again, the guys are out this weekend, we're going out uh, doing some training this weekend, which is, you know, you're just out in the mountains, but we always look at the time um, that we're out in the mountains rather than the, the okay, we're going to nail this distance now because it's not a race. And I know we always get caught up in that, don't we? That, you know, probably from maybe in school, right, that we're taught to sort of, you know, in terms of distance, Okay, we're going for that, and it's sometimes we, we, we get quite competitive, um, which is, is fair enough, and there's there's time and a place for that. But when you're altitude, you've got to kind of put that competitiveness in, in the in the in the back pocket, really, and yeah. get that aside because um, it's not about how fast you can get there; it's about getting there. It's all it is is about just getting there. 
yeah um, and once you get that into your mind it, it becomes a far more enjoyable experience doesn't it yeah exactly and i think that so the we always say that the training aspect of it is twofold one yeah. side of it is the mindset one side of it is the physical training and the more you put into getting those in tip-top shape the more fun you'll have but a hundred percent one of the top questions that we have about people concerned about fitness or sometimes they're concerned about their age is what if i slow the group down i'm yeah. a really slow hiker you know i'm not that fit can i still do it and we say listen it's trying to frame what this trip is in that person's mind because these trips are not endurance events they're not runs they're not marathons you don't get a medal for finishing first and then a silver for finishing second what they are is it's supposed to be an experience you know that you do together as a group and then naturally the group spreads out some people are faster than others that's always the case but yeah. you know you're a caterpillar you know so you always <laughs> you always you always stay connected you just stretch a little bit and um yeah so i'm being distracted by penny crying in my ear <laughs> I know doorbell, yeah, yeah and i think leah mentioned doorbell equals penny yeah that's right yeah the, the dog walker um takes penny out while we're in the office um yeah she got a little doorbell and then we got on get her yeah uh, so yeah <laughs> penny needs a walk just like us right she needs her training too um 100 uh with so dave just just moving on for that then obviously we got the the idea around that and 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 brian mentioned something really key as well which is something we're really which is good is, is to whilst, whilst you're at sea level carry a little bit more than you probably would do normally um you know when you're out and about uh certainly something that i've i've done a lot of in in the past is have a heavy bag dave i know i know you're like what have you actually got in there and you know yeah it's amazing <laughs> um, one time you yeah. had a full laptop in there on his way to ebc you know it's uh <laughs> like it never stops, mate. <laughs> yeah exactly but no i'm more of a yeah. um yeah i'm more of a i i, I aim to travel light yeah but the thing is about what like brian's making a really good point here and it yeah. will help you for altitude by carrying a bit of a weighted bag because obviously when you get to altitude carrying that weight is much harder you know so an average a day pack can be anything from five to seven eight kilograms including your water now if you carry that at sea level that's not that hard at all you know but at altitude going up Kalapatar, that feels like you've got a gorilla on your back <laughs> so so do some training you know and just i tend to just weight my bag with just you know yeah. you couldn't put a plate in there or sand and all this crazy stuff to be honest it's so easy to add weight to your bag just by carrying stuff so like spare pair of trainers you know shoes flasks sandwiches all of that stuff and then weigh it and it does add up and it does make a big difference because again it's about the endurance in the legs you want the legs to be strong over a long period of time and that all helps yeah exactly i mean you know and, and just a little caveat as well like you know me and dave we're not pts here we're not telling you okay go to the gym do this amount of sets do this amount of weights do this sort of stuff we're just coming from kind of what what works um you know for all of our ever trackers that we've ever taken and us yeah um you know which is is literally thousands now of people um not so much over the last 18 months um but yeah it's certainly from experience it's it's just getting out there a pack on your back heavier than normal um you know that's the kind of basics of it there's obviously more technical stuff you can do i think andy um mentioned about using ankle weights for instance i think uh shona mentioned um doing some strength training as well with the legs you can do some single leg movements in the gym um, you know, definitely to build up that strength. And I think something that really worked for me the very first time I went to altitude um, was doing basically um, almost to failure exercises. So what, what you're doing is, it, you know, this is in the gym now. And again, not PT, this is just from experience. And that's just that 
you know, if you're doing, say, push-ups, um, which Dave just recorded me doing some out there, just my little warm-up for the live. Uh, I was doing some push-ups. Um, but yeah, if you're doing any bench pressing or any leg weights or anything at all that can you can go to failure, apparently that's better for your altitude. Um, just something I've heard on the grapevine is that if you can push your body, your muscles to failure, that then when that, um, you know, apparently when, uh, you know, you're at, at an oxygen-deprived, in an oxygen-deprived environment, trying to get my words out, um, your muscles tend to perform better. Yeah. So that was something that I did before I went to, to altitude for the very first time. Um, you know, I worked worked a treat, and you know, like you say, you, d- you don't need to be He-Man here. You don't need to be Superwoman. You, d- you know, that's we get all lots of shapes and sizes on our our trips. Hundred um, percent. You know, and but it does help. Certainly does help, which is why we're talking about it today. Because um, you know, over the last sort of six to twelve months, we talked a lot about mindset, talked a lot about equipment. You know, all the different stuff that comes into it. You know, weather you know all the all the all the things that come into a trip the training is it's, it is really important um you know and, and also as well i suppose moving on to our next step dave is like when do you actually start training do you start training you know if you're booking your trip two years in advance do i start now or do i leave it until maybe six months or do i leave it until like eight weeks before i go i mean yeah because it we, we get a lot of people who have uh, you know even booked like to go last april for instance and they're now rescheduled and then maybe going next April. They're like, well, okay, when do I start now? What would you what would you suggest from that perspective? So yeah, I mean there's two schools of thought on it, and they kind of do there's sort of some crossover. So the one of you know what we call is like your base level fitness. Now, there's a lot of different types of people. You know, I know people who are perhaps, you know, they fluctuate in their fitness. I'm I'm perhaps one of those, you know, where so I tend to my base level fitness will drop off in between doing stuff and then when I have a trip to prepare for so if I book DBC a year in advance I'd start my training a year in advance I generally think it's a good idea to start training once you've booked the trip if you've booked it two years in advance it depends on what you know so I'll start again so if you're training for a marathon obviously and you've got a very specific length of time you're going to be very regimented in your training and you're going to be building up to that event you know, building up, building up, getting to peak fitness, tapering off towards the end for recovery and then doing the event. If you've got two years, obviously, that's not really going to work because you can't maintain that level of intensity without picking up an injury or something like that. So my advice is to just try and maintain a good base level of fitness. It doesn't have to be intense. You just want to get out a couple of days a week, two, three days a week, and you want to be getting yourself mountain fit. So generally that means good strong legs with powerful endurance and a good core. So some weightlifting is is really good for that. Um, Personally, I concentrate on my cardio and my um, my endurance. So my cardio is, I do it all on the bike now. I can't run anymore. Um, I used to be able to run, used to be able to be quite good at running. And now my knee is seen to that dead. So all my cardio now is pretty much done on the bike. And then in the gym, you've got the stair masters and things like that, that are, I mean, the, the stair master machine, that revolving staircase, there hasn't been a machine better developed for training you for going up mountains it, it, in the gym. That is, um, but the best thing you can do, get it in the maintenance you know and do that so generally what we used to do is do sort of like maybe you'd go out once or twice a week in the gym and stuff like that and then plan quite a long day in the mountains on the weekend if you go hiking with andy it's not unusual to be out 10 hours sometimes 13 (laughs) sometimes 13 14 if he takes you on a shortcut so (laughs) yeah yeah, well you know it's always more scenic that way dave yeah exactly i mean the stairmaster is so sickeningly evil it and even not an evil yeah it is it is sheer brutal but what it does do 
is it trains the endurance. So a lot of the climbing, a lot yeah. of the, especially on EBC and Killy and these natural rocky environments, it's all stepped. EBC, it's it steps all the way to base camp and then steps all the way down. So getting that motion and getting good strong quads and stuff like that is really good. And also you can then rack it up and go to failure, like Andy said, train yeah. the muscles to sort of exhaust themselves and then recover. Um, and then the more you do that, the more you'll recover. And then when you have a big day in EBC or big day on Killy, your legs will be used to that level of sort of endurance. And then the next day, be able to carry you again for the next five miles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just reading through some of the comments. Um, yeah, nice to see people dropping in as well. Uh, definitely uh, great to hear Ramona, um, you know, is, is, is on the tune instead of chatting to her partner. Great stuff. Yeah, yeah. Call it, call it back afterwards, Ramona. You can sort that out. <laughs> um, but Brian makes a good point. Um, you know, another idea, and Dave, I think this one's for you. If you're training for a, a, a trek, stay off your mountain bike to avoid injury. I think, um, yeah, I think that's uh, yeah. directed at you, Dave. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that that's actually a little bit of advice I would give. I mean, having said that, though, I'd <laughs> if I say like, uh, if I learn my lesson, am I going to go back to downhill? And I remember when I ha when I did it, I said to Andy, I said, I know. My downhill days are over now, and I'm going to just do some more cross-country stuff. But the, the fitter I'm getting, the more I'm thinking, oh, I'll go back to it. <laughs> well, you can't. I think, you know, through life, you, you love what you love, don't you? And you, I know you really enjoy it. And, you know, you don't want to take that away from you, but obviously temper that with a bit of caution next time. Yeah, well, no, yeah, there's <laughs> going to be a bit. Yeah, I'm going to – I'll tell you what, Nate. This is one of the things, and maybe there's a lesson in here. We can try and extract one for hiking. Yeah, yeah. My problem was the reason, you know, I've, I've deconstructed the accent in my brain a million times. There was a couple of things that I did wrong that caused it. One, I wasn't fit enough to be doing the, the types of trails yeah. that I was doing. I wasn't, you know, I bit off way more than I could chew because I used to be able to do it. And then I lost a lot of my fitness through lockdown because I stopped going out on my bike. And then I was still doing the trails that I used to be able to do. And that was silly. Because when you're fatigued, you stop moving around, you stop doing the things you need to do to keep yourself well. And uh, I didn't look after my equipment as well. I had too much air in my tires. And the same thing, you know, when you're training for EBC, a lot of people do do this where they'll bite off, they'll book EBC or book Kilimanjaro. And then two weeks later, they'll go on a 25 mile hike, yeah. you know, to almost prove to themselves that they can do it. Where actually, I think just don't don't worry about doing that. Yeah. Take it nice, take it steady, do smaller goals. You know, and first of all, just go out and do a five-mile hike or a five-hour hike. Yeah. Just go out and say, I'm going to enjoy myself for five hours. Even if I only walk four miles, it doesn't matter. You're out in the hills, you're enjoying yourself, and your legs are getting used to that. You're getting used to – one of the things as well I find different is when you're in the gym, it's the same environment all the time. It's the same level of humidity. It's the same temperature. Yeah. It's the same everything. Where when you're going out in the mountains and you're hiking in the cold, in the heat – in the rain and it sometimes the ground is slippy sometimes it's grippy all of that stuff I, it trains the mind and the body and so they're working together so when you do go to the mountains you feel so much more in tune with what you're doing so i do think yeah. that there's no substitute for getting out in the hills yeah i know you'd agree with that as well yeah no 100 100 i mean you know this does come down to location you know you have to have to bring that into it because not everyone lives there but uh, or has it you know within a suitable sort of travel distance but uh, i think brian makes a good point as well and make sure you find a hydration buddy um <laughs> that's very good i know brian and mick certainly uh, on a couple of training weekends uh, on the last training weekend we actually run before this one um uh, was was plenty hydrated but yeah um dave i i reckon we'll answer some of the questions because we've got a lot coming in actually 
um, from the beginning. I know we had a couple previously and a few coming in here. Um, yeah. I hope our little intro there, I know it's slightly longer than normal, but we wanted to do it just justice. I Was that just the intro? Just the intro, mate. That <laughs> I, thought we were, I thought we were doing it. <laughs> um, but yeah, regarding um, yeah, some of the questions, do drop them in, guys. Uh, let's see, we've got about another half hour, 35 minutes. Do drop them in so we can um, uh, we can we can sort of cover them. But yeah, first couple of questions are coming, Dave. Um, have you got the questions from Fee? Fee yeah. on the comments today, by the way. Yeah. So we, yeah, we got Fee on the phones. Yeah. Um, Lauren is taking some time off. You know, God, how the other half live. Um, so yeah, so Fee said this is from who's it from? James Frost. James, yeah. So he's booked on to Tupacal in November this year, um, and Island Peak. Uh, November next year. Is it necessary to take his inflatable sleeper mat? He's got the Thermarest Neo X Therm. I think I've got that one. Might yeah, be I've got that Neo X Therm. Yeah, I think we both got those. Mm. Honestly, I would take it 100%. Yeah. The reason being is because you'd want it, e even if you don't use it, it's about this yeah. big when it's packed down and it weighs oh, right. nothing. Yeah, so yeah. I would definitely say take it um, because if you do find yourself getting, like, I like to almost lie on the floor, I don't have a problem yeah. with it. But Andy, on the other hand, you like a softer bed so when we went to Killy, i brought my inflatable and we ended up swapping didn't we so we could have like yeah. like share think, it around um, a bit i think yeah my back was playing up and yeah dave did uh, the nice gentleman thing which was um make me blow it all up myself at altitude yeah uh, yeah four and a <laughs> yeah. half thousand meters which was that, that was the real reason why because yeah that, that's actually the top tip if you do bring it get a little battery powered or at least a yeah. hand powered pump because blowing that sucker up every day on killy um i remember one time i did it and i was like andy actually stars <laughs> you know well, yeah, so then, you're exerting yourself and you know you're only bringing in a certain amount of oxygen yeah so, so um, be careful if you're ever doing that in altitude guys yeah, and then when we got close to Barafu camp, Andy was like, can I borrow the thing? I was like, yes. <laughs> I was like, but you've take got to it, blow it up. It, take it. Um, but no, it's a good question. Uh, I think, yeah, if you go into Tupacal and Island Peak, um, certainly, yeah, good. To, if you go into Tupacal in November, um, good practice then, isn't it, for, for Island Peak? Yeah. Um, in terms of blowing it up. But you're not, obviously not as high as, as you will be, um, you know, when you're trekking to Island Peak. Um, but yeah, it's nice. And it keeps that, keeps that little gap between you and the surface. Yeah. So, um, you know, they're really good. I say, having, having got that um, and used it in quite cold conditions, I think the coldest I probably had that was about minus 11. I think I camped in Brecon Beacons stupidly on the top pen of van one night in November, and it was about six inches of snow on the ground. And, uh, yeah, it was cold, but I had that. And, and, you know, it keeps your body nice and elevated above the, um, you know, above the, the surface. Uh, so, yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Um, uh, Martin Skevens, hi there. We're going to uh, Everspace Camp this October. Um, personally, I've been walking 60k each week. Wow, mainly in flat country, uh, weighted sack going up. Uh, what can I do to make my trip easier? Yeah, um, well, hopefully, I mean, fingers crossed about October. Uh, Martin, I know we, we sent out a little email today just around the autumn and um, you know, just a little update on that. So, I hope you got that, Martin. Um, but yeah, regarding you know, what, what, what can you do to make your trip easier? Certainly, I think if you're doing that a week, that's, that's really good. Um, you know, it's a great sort of level. I mean, you're probably doing most than at least 50% of people who will be going on your trip, if I'm honest, um, which is a good start point. Don't forget all the stuff we always say around, you know, pace, hydration. Um, so start off with pace. Just go super slow. Um, you know, I always go as slow as the slowest person because it means I'm the most acclimated. Um but when you uh, are like, listen to your guide, uh, you know, make sure that, you know, you're not sort of rushing off and then hydration, uh, hydration and more hydration. So, yeah, if you before you go on the trip, um, 
you know, just, just sort of plan to be drinking, you know, four liters a day. Um, if you did that and religiously drank four liters a day, very, very, very unlikely you're going to get altitude issues if you go yep. the same pace as rest eat group. Um, and the last thing I'd probably suggest, yeah, just enjoy it. Um, keep positive. Go out there and I know you've been waiting for this for a long time. Um, you know, I hope it goes ahead. If it doesn't, when you do go, um, you know, try and drink it all, drink it in, drink the environment in, you know, speak to the people there, enjoy the culture. They've had no one for 18, 19 months, you know, they, they want to meet people and, um, you know, enjoy it, get to know your guide, get to know your group, um, you know, take pictures of the, the Milky Way if, if you're lucky enough to see it in the night. Um, yeah, and you'll have an awesome time. So, yeah, look after the mind. Uh, I think you've done a lot physically. Um, and yeah, and you'll be fine. I don't think there's anything else you can do before you go. I kind of tapered it off. So if you go in October and it does go ahead, maybe think about two weeks before just to kind of taper off that walking, yeah. just so you can save your body a bit before you go. Yeah. Um, the only thing I would probably add to that, he's mentioned he does it mainly on the flat. Maybe okay. go on a treadmill, put it on the incline, because it yeah. does, it, the muscles that you activate are a little bit differently when you're going uphill, you know, and like, and just get used to doing some hills and stuff like that as well. If you, I know it's difficult. I know Paul Meacher lives in the flat as well. So I think he struggles with um, finding a mountain to climb, but yeah, get on a treadmill, put it on the incline or do the Stairmaster. You know what? I even saw one the other day and this is a little digress. Uh, it's called Jacob's Ladder. And instead of the Stairmaster, instead of a Stairmaster, it's like a revolt. It's got like lots of these wooden rungs. Yeah, and and they revolve, and all four legs. It's like you're like climbing, like like a rat climber, you know, on it like that. And and then it it counts it counts the amount of like floors that you go up. And um, yeah, I'm not gonna go on it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, So Kate Muffet has said, uh, yeah. "Would doing the Three Peaks be a good climb to do?" 100. Um, percent I'm assuming that's the uh, Ben Nevis, Scaffold, and Snowden. Yeah, 100. Yeah, percent Whether you want to do it on the challenge or not is entirely up to you. I think. Um, all three of them offer good training opportunities for any high altitude trek. Yeah. Ben Nevis, I, I've, I've only ever done Ben Nevis once and I did it via the CMD route, which I highly recommend over the normal route. Um, the normal route, it's still good and it's still tough, um, but the CMD just offers you a bit of um, bit more entertainment really because it's a ridge walk. Yeah. And then Snowden, um, Scaffold, weirdly, uh, sh shameful, I've never been up Scaffold. You have, haven't you, Andrew? Have you been up Scaffold? Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've never done that, but um, yeah, hundred percent. They're both really good peaks to do. All three of them are really good peaks to do, and I think you know if you're lucky enough to live in North Wales or something like that, and you can get out into Snowdonia's range, there's loads of amazing peaks you can go up. They're not just Snowdon, and um, yeah, and climbing mountains and trekking up hills is the perfect training to do for climbing mountains and trekking up hills. Yeah, hundred percent. Hundred, you know that definitely is. Um, you know, you're building up that. You know, doing the three peaks is a great challenge in itself, but you know, you, it, it's, it's practice, isn't it, for, for when you're out there? And, you know, I know the three peaks, some of it is done during the night, you know, so if you're doing Killy or, you know, if on the Everest Base Camp trip, um, you know, you, you climb the Calipatar, which is in the dark. Uh, if you're on Island Peak, for instance, you go over the summit and you're in the dark. Aconcagua, for instance, anytime you're hiking in the dark is really good just from a mental perspective because um, that's one thing you kind of get surprised about on Killy, I think, is the amount of time you're hiking during the dark and can be quite hard. So any any time that you're hiking in the dark, with a head torch, you know, and going for it is, is going to help. Um, but yeah, Jacob's Ladder, I, I saw that mentioned. Yeah, there's there's a few Jacob's Ladders in the UK. There's actually one uh, near Penavan. Yeah, I've um, done the Penavan one. Penavan. Mm, I've, I've done, done the Penavan one. one. In the peaks, so though. I have to try that one. Yeah, we'd, yeah, uh, yeah, Jerome, let us know which one you want about. If it's the Penavan one, I've done that, I don't know, 
I know I've done that. I mean, hundreds I, of times. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I couldn't tell you. It's definitely tough. I mean, when I say I've done it, I mean a lot of people do like the fan dance. You know, the soldiers. I know yeah. Mick and Bry are probably familiar with uh, Jacob's Ladder on Penavam. I remember one time when I was did it, and the soldiers were going past me and. Fair play to those guys, like because the rate that they got up that was just insanity, <laughs> you know. Like, but yeah, but no, that's that's really good. Um, yeah, I think, it, you know, when we this is one of the reasons we're we're doing this one today is because we, you know, a lot of people think that they have to do things like the three peaks, um, things like you know just nailing Ben Nevis and things like that. So don't think that you have to be able to do that just to tick that box to be able to do Everest Base Camp. It's all part of the journey, all part of the training. Um, you know, if you didn't climb those mountains and all you did was climb a bunch of other mountains, but you know, you're out more often, it's probably going to be better for you. Um, you know, so don't think that you have to do these kind of things. You can just get out there, pack on your back, chuck some, you know, chuck some extra gear in there, get it weighted. Cause then when you're on the trip and you're super light, it's going to help you a lot rather than just, you know, it is nice though, isn't it? To just tick that off, off the list. And I, I get that, uh, but don't think you have to do that to be able to kind of, okay, I have to be able to do that before I do this. Don't think that you've got to be able to do the three peaks to do Everest Base Camp. Yeah. And a lot of people who go on Everest Base Camp and, you know, they're just hill walkers. You know, they haven't climbed many big mountains. Yeah, But they do 100%. because, you know, they, they, they want to go there. Um, right, Dave, a couple of others. Uh, let's have a look. Uh, Joel, out of curiosity, which day is the toughest heading to EBC? It's always... Um, oh, that's always, interesting one. Always, yeah, it's a good one, actually, because I know that there's two days for me that stand out, Dave. I know day two, which is climbing up to Namche, because that's the first bit of altitude. Yeah. And hiking for about eight hours. The last two and a half is all uphill, up Namche Hill. That could be challenging for people. But I think I, I think base camp day for me would have to be the, the, the hardest day. Would, would you agree, Dave? You with that? Definitely. I'd say definitely that's going to be one of the toughest. You know what? It's... Yeah. Base camp, what, four times now? And if you asked me after each trip, my answer would probably be different. Like, day two is always going to stand out as a tough one because there's no real warming up to it. Day one is really easy. You lose altitude all the way. You go from, what, 27 to 24, something like that. And then you've got to get up to 3,400. So that once you cross the Hillary Bridge and you go up to Namshi, there's no getting around that. It's uphill for three hours. But then I remember one time I did that, and I thought, wow, that was really hard. Yeah. Um, and then I went back and did it uh, a few months later. So I did it in April with you, and although every day was hard on that one for me, but that was because of well, you had shingles, right? That was shingles, yeah. <laughs> yeah but yeah. when I came back in October and I did it, I was dreading that day because I remembered how tough it was. I was seriously one of the last to come in. Um, not that that's a bad thing, but I, I was one of the last because I couldn't go any faster physically. Yeah. I really needed the toilet. It was a horrible day. So I was dreading it. I got over the bridge and I was like, oh, this is going to be really difficult. And then I flew up there. I couldn't believe it. I got to the top and I, I saw the, the little checkpoint. I was like, my God, I'm, I'm really in Namshi. Yeah. You know, and then I found um, actually one of the hardest days for me was on that last trip was um, Tugla Pass, you know, going from uh, up to Lobouche. Yeah, yeah. That's what you struggled that day, didn't you? I think it was the your health. Yeah, that was the health that was, yeah, that was, yeah, yeah, well, in retrospect, I wouldn't have gone um, because of the, because of the old, uh, the old shingalese, but I definitely think that, um, yeah, day two, Tengboche Hill's quite tough, Um, to be honest, actually, do you know what, I'm going to say it, the toughest day for me is Feriche to Namche on the way back. Really? I just don't know what don't know what it is. It's not the downhill. It's that uphill through the forest up yeah, to Tengboche. That that's, that's just a that's a tough one. 
But um, yeah, every day, for some reason, that day just gets me. So basically, every day is difficult, Dave. Is every day, every day is difficult. I tell you what's not difficult. Uh, which which day is quite easy? Aside from Dugla Pass, Dingboche to Lobuche is quite an easy yeah. day. Yeah. Lobuche to Feriche. No, Gorek Shep to Feriche. Long, but fairly easy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I say fairly easy. It all depends. I've seen some people have some rough days on there. See what I mean? It's so subjective. It's great. <laughs> it but, is. Um, I think, yeah. I, it's easy when you get a helicopter, I reckon. Oh, is it, Dave? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, a couple of questions actually dropping in. I'm going to sort of jump ahead a little bit um, around training weekends, winter skills. Saw a bunch of questions coming in. Um, I think Laura's asked it. I think Michelle um, and Tom uh, just asked around training weekends. So, yeah, firstly, um, training weekend. Um, the one in this week is, is fully booked, unfortunately. Um, but we've got another one in September that has a, a quite a lot, a lot of spaces. Um, I think that's on the week of the 24th September. If you're interested in that one, yeah, so it starts on catch up on the 24th and then that weekend, so the 25th, 26th of September. Fee, uh, if you're on the, the comments there, can you just drop the link into the training weekend um, just if anyone wants to book into that? um yeah great to, to have you with us it's always a great weekend um winter skills yeah is is another one so um steve who, who ran our last uh, weekend up in north wales we're looking to do winter skills in scotland and a winter skills in north wales um we haven't yet got those dates for the 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 winter um they're going to be we're going to be catching up with steve and then putting those dates up there um just to to make sure that you know fits in with the diaries and things um and then get yourself booked in because they're going to be great sort of prep for any um, you know, winter basic conditions you're going to be in. That could be winter in, in Tubcal, that could be Aconcagua, uh, that could be Elbrus, could be Island Peak, Mara Peak, you know, whatever whatever you go in that involves crampon use, um, you know, and trekking in winter conditions, it's going to be great. So, yeah, yeah we, we will be doing those guys. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be kind of a weekend thing, um, you know, similar to the rest of our kind of trips, because obviously we understand people, you know, I know some people don't, but some people with... Um, uh, you know, obviously got leave and things like that. We always trying to keep them to the weekend. Um, so yeah, I hope that kind of helps. And yeah, it'd be great to see you on on one of the the training weekends. Yep. Um, obviously, you get myself and Dave, which is all about the altitude, really. Um, you know, obviously Steve with with his mountain experience, very experienced ex-marine uh, mountain guides, got a lot of experience in the UK and Europe. Um, you know, definitely very valuable. I mean, I know there's a couple of people on here who've, who've met Steve already, uh, Stephen Jones. Um, and yeah, he's, he's a great guide. Um, definitely have an awesome, awesome time with him and or, or some of his team, because I know this uh, this weekend we had Dewey as well, who was on his team. Um, right, Dave, yeah, what, what's the kind of next question is what we got? Um, so yeah, having a little look here yeah. that I can see. So, da -da 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 so Jerome has asked an interesting one. What time do I need to get to the story arms to get a space? About 8 a.m., Jerome. Any later than that. I don't yeah. know story arms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Too busy for me. <laughs> yeah, but bait, yeah, get there by eight. Otherwise, the other side. Um, let's have a quick look. Uh, so, does it help to have heavier weighted items? This is from Haley. Um, in different place in the backpack, top of the pack, across the middle. Does it make a difference when walking uphill? So, generally considering, so as a general rule when you're packing your bag i would always put the heavier stuff towards the bottom anyway so the bit so the bulk of the weight is sort of held around your hips and the lower back um and that's 
just a matter of course of whenever you're packing it. And the reason is because if you have something really heavy at the top of your bag, it's going to sort of pull and it's going to pull on the shoulders and tweak the neck and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I always go like heavier sort of down below and then lighter lighter towards the top just makes a big difference um in terms of it doesn't really make a difference in terms of your fitness but if you like where you have it won't help you develop a certain area but you what won't help your fitness is tweaking your neck having sore shoulders having a sore back and stuff like that because you've got a big old pair of mandel boutans right at the back of your neck yeah put them at the bottom i mean they should be on your feet but you know <laughs> just in case sorry uh, yeah not jerome uh, jane um asked about story arms but yeah uh, oh is it jane is it oh, okay it was jane. jane yeah i mean yeah it's a lot of j's <laughs> that's all right jerome was just at the top oh yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah sorry jerome sorry jane uh yeah hope you find a parking space uh yes yeah, always always difficult um around that bingo still playing bingo we need to get some of those bingo cards um right let's have a little look uh, i think laura actually laura yeah hope you had an awesome time the weekend um saw some of the pics look fantastic um, hoping to book the Patagonia rice fields trip. Want to figure out equipment and gear. Um, again, Laura, sorry, I, I missed this question around winter courses. Yeah, we will be doing some, um, as I mentioned there, uh, around winter courses as well. So, yeah, hopefully you get on that. Um, Rebecca has asked, when would you advise to buy the boots? Give me time to wear them in <clears throat> for EBC next October. Dave, when would you buy your boots, mate? Uh, yesterday. I'm not sure what boots they may be. but Yeah, I'd have bought them yesterday, today, tomorrow. <laughs> Like, um, yeah, like get them as soon as you can, to be honest, because I've bought a couple of pairs of boots in the past that I've bought, tried, didn't like, had to save up, get another pair, <laughs> you know, because you can't really send them back once you realize that they're no good after you wore them 10 times. So, no, I would say, obviously, you all know my favorite set of boots. It's taken me a long time to arrive at a good pair of hiking boots. Um, that's partially not because I never really struggled with the comfort on the feet or rubbing or blisters. To me, it was all about helping the what used to be my bad knee but is now my good knee um you know so i used to have that problem so i really do like the mandel boutans i know they become a bit of a cliche but they are really really good boot um yeah. from the moment i wore them so i bought mine two weeks before i went to uh ebc and i just wore them casually you know with my jeans like for two weeks and i realized immediately that they're not going to rub there was no pain there was nothing and they were fine from the box box fresh um, but you don't want to take that risk because I also made the same. I did that exact thing when I did the Glencoe challenge with a pair of boots yeah. and I would have sawn off my own feet if I had a saw. So I think, yeah, buy them as soon as you can. Start wearing them. You don't want to wear them out. But the great thing about Mandels is that they will um, they'll last you 10, 15 years. Yeah. So, yeah, if you if you decide to go a different way um, and get another pair, um some of the synthetics gore-texy type ones the salamons and stuff like that they don't last as long they'll last you a few years but they don't last like 10 years but yeah get them now start wearing them start enjoying them and um because there's nothing good nothing better than putting on a, a really good pair of worn-in pair of boots that's still got plenty of life left yeah. um you know yeah and, and like, i remember i went to base camp remember and you used your hedgehogs one time when you went to base camp <laughs> and they were they were that that was the last trek i think you did right with them that was um yeah yeah so yeah first couple of trips i did i i used them um, you know I, I still recommend them by the way because i've done base camp many times but i think three times with these uh, that was the north base hedgehog gtx i'm not sure if they because i haven't bought any for a number of years now because yeah i do i do use the main dolls, um just because I, I found them just as comfy um but yeah you gotta look after them obviously you know they, they there's lots of boots out there there's so many aren't there i think you know we've done um a live all about boots before um as well as many different type of equipment but yeah 
there's lots. I think Davey mentioned Salomon there. Yeah, almost great. You know, you've got Scarpa, La Sportiva. Any of them are going to be good, really good boots. I mean, obviously, there's some of them are premium price. But yeah, for some reason, the, the old school looking ones, maybe leather, um, they seem to last the longest. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're always good. I, I, yeah, I really love the main rules. I think a question popped in there around, um, I think it was Rebecca again, do they have good ankle support? And I, I, I suppose I could, the only advice I can say, or the only example, sorry, I can say around it is that I was on the Glencoe Challenge um, a couple of months back. And about halfway through, I rolled my ankle. With, I was wearing the main doors and you know it was such it happens sometimes and I don't know why it could be the way I kind of walk but um, and this is where I wear boots rather than trail shoes even though the terrain's not crazy is because that can happen anytime and you, and you just you know you could be thinking about something you could be you know listening to a podcast whatever it is you know whatever you do and I rolled my ankle and if it wasn't for the main or bootans I think I would have I would have snapped my ankle easy yeah because it was a hefty one like one of those where you go down and you kind of, you know, it, 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 your foot sort of crumples. Um, and if it wasn't for the support that the main balls had, I certainly would have had, um, yeah, it would have been worse off. That would have been game over for months. So, yeah, any boot. I, I, I do, I personally like ankle support. I know there's a lot of people out there that, um, you know, tend to have better stability with their legs and they maybe do trail run-ins, things like that. Um, yes, main ball boot hands. <laughs> I think definitely they're they're playing bingo now, Dave. Um, yeah, yeah, they're definitely because um, uh, you know there's lots when, when it comes to trail running. Uh, you know, you, because you're on the move a bit quicker. Um, that's why I think um, uh, some people wear trail shoes and it works. But for me, I'll always wear um, ankle supports. I've just seen it happen too many times, especially in the yeah. mountains. You you don't want to you know just to. I know it's nice wearing lighter things on your feet, but you know for the having a little bit of ankle support can give you that peace of mind then that you can go and you can crack on with your trip and okay don't be stupid but um gives you that bit of support you don't want to roll an ankle do you halfway going to Everest base camp you'd be gutted yeah. um i've seen it happen and you know if you can do something about that then yeah that's why we recommend um some of the boots that we do yeah 100 percent. i mean we have a lot of people i'm not sure if i'm remembering this right but i think ramona do you wear trail shoes i can't remember yeah, she does. um oh yeah trails yeah I, i'm sure i've had this conversation with ramona and i think a few other people and i always say listen there's no there's no right or wrong find what's right for you but if you're asking our advice it's always yeah. boots a mid boot i would say you don't need a high boot the ones that go yeah, like in, in, into the shin yeah. because then they become a bit too restrictive um so i always a mid boot is fine the main dolls actually have like a memory foam upper so they're, they're really comfy and they don't chafe or anything like that um but then you know i've met a guy who's a, like a fell runner you know so yeah. and he's, he just can't hike in boots but then he's used to that type of terrain the only thing i say is just factor in where you're going um because when you're at altitude if you're fatigued i'm thinking on the way down from kilimanjaro so those people that have done that jerome and whoever else will know that that's a long day you're tired uh, sometimes they're like half asleep when they're walking, not paying attention to where their feet are going, and just having a little bit of ankle support can make the difference between, um, you know, a nice, pleasant descent and you know, being carried and being carried. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. yeah, and you know, it's the same for things like. Uh, but then also there are times where boots are sort of, you know, if you're doing a peak like Island Peak, Mera Peak, even Aconcagua. Am I right in saying Andy uh, McNaughton Jones? Have you done Aconcagua? I know someone's on you who's done Akinkagra. Yeah, I think Andy has. I know he's potentially done Killy. Andy, sorry. Um, yeah, I know we, there's a lot, yeah. no, a lot of Andys. I'm sure um, he's done Akinkagra. But 
I can't remember. But anyway, yeah, you you know, boots are mandatory then. You know, you can't do you can't do those yeah. peaks without boots because the no shoe will offer the stability, the stiffness, yeah. the insulation. Uh, they're not crampon compatible, so there's loads of different stuff like that. But yeah, take take it easy, yeah, when you're doing yeah, that. Yeah, it is, Andy. Yeah, good good shout. Yeah, so he's, he's obviously got some experience with with that as well, and um, you know, you, you you know a bit more about your feet. But I think Shona makes a good point, and you know, we've said it numerous times before, is that okay? These are just our personal recommendations. But yeah, if you do go into store, and um, obviously if you're in the UK, I know people um, are watching from uh, all the way around the world. Um, yeah, go into a store. Get the you know get fitted out properly. Try some boots on. Um, definitely make sure they're for you. Um, and then that's probably the, the the best way to know. I mean, I because I know a size that 100% works and has worked loads. I kind of can buy I can buy online. I get away with it. Um, I think I've, I think once I ordered a pair of boots and they were um, a pair of Salomons actually, and they were a bit too narrow for me. Did send them back. Um, but the the rest of them, I've yeah, I've I've always been lucky with boots. Yeah, but yeah, I'd say professional, uh, in terms of our, our professional opinion, definitely get yourself to a store. It's good, isn't it? You can buy loads of other stuff. Why not? And if yeah. you've got a Cotswold, don't forget to use your discount. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, right, Dave. Is there, is there anything else to cover off? I know we've um, we've gone through most of the questions. Any other questions, guys? Do drop um, them just before we got probably about five ten minutes. So. Um, Michelle Rose has asked a couple of questions. Is it worth doing a night trek for the summit? Um, I think Kilimanjaro. Um, yeah, hundred percent. I think you know, just doing like an overnight trek helps. You're going to be sleep deprived um, moderately, not extreme, but you'll get a couple of hours maybe. But you're going to be sleep deprived. It's going to be in the dark, so getting used to trekking with a headlamp and stuff like that really does make a difference. You've also said you're British Army, nice, awesome, hard as nails, obviously, but swim like a brick. Um, uh, is there any deep? Yeah, no deep water on the way to Killy or anything like that. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of bridges you cross if you're on EBC, but when you're on Killy, nothing. There's a couple of streams and stuff like that that you have to kind of go across, but like ankle deep. And then on the last day, um, it can be a bit slippery, but you you won't drain. You'll just slide. I nearly took out like a yeah, it you was like a slid and took everyone out, didn't you? Yeah, well, me and Steve were not. We were walking. Remember, doing like the the Dave and Steve show, <laughs> just because we were bored and tired, into the GoPro, and I wasn't looking where I was going, and I put my foot on just this slippery slope of mud. And I'll be honest, styled it out, styled it out. It was like Neo in the Matrix, kind of like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, sorry. Um, I think we we missed one of Jerome's questions. I think it was Leah as well, just around swimming um yeah sorry about that guys we uh yeah there's, there's always a lot of questions come in i'll just read so we can find it um any thoughts on sh uh, swimming for general fitness control breathing anyone swim regularly yeah um 100 i mean any cardio exercise jerome um is going to help you mate um whatever you do it's always going to help i mean it's you know it's not um you know walking is walking at the end of the day you know and there's nothing better but also we know, you know we i've personally got a couple of friends who do a lot of swimming and they're, um, you know, they're pretty fit people. Um, I don't actually do a lot of swimming. I used to, um, especially when I, I used to surf a lot more than I do these days. Uh, you know, and obviously you've got to be pretty good in the water. And I spent a lot of time, I used to be a scuba diving instructor, so I used to spend a lot of time in the water. Um, yeah, but with, with controlled breathing, it's definitely going to work. With, uh, personally, I've, I've done a lot of, because uh, of my asthma, I, I've had some breathing exercises that I kind of do uh, myself. And I've seen people do uh, in the mountains, like if you have a trekking with me, you'll be able to hear me breathe, put it that way. Um, 
because it helps because the way I can control the breathing and then when I got to the top, I'm not that out of breath. I can get my heart rate down quite quickly. You know, and that just comes from experience. But again, that's out in the mountains. Um, but I'd say, yeah, if you're swimming, uh, it's not going to hurt you uh, because it's cardiovascular work. Um, yep. Yeah, but don't just do swimming. You know, and I, I know I know you know that you've, you've been up Killy. Um, you know, you've got a lot of experience uh, hiking as well. Um, yeah, get out in the mountains, mate. That, that's where you need to do it. But why not get in the water? It's good, isn't it? It's, uh, it's good for the soul as well. It's been able to swim. Why not? Yeah, awesome. Um, Ramona, local swimming champion, age of 12. Look at you. God, awesome. Ramona, you need to slow down, mate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then um, it's got, uh, da, 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 da. Uh, Rebecca. Oh, it's um, it's Rebecca, butterflies and bees. Um, do they have good ankle support? Oh, I think Andy caught that one. Um, yes. Yes, they do. Brilliant. Um, let's have a quick look. Have we missed anything up? Quick mop up. Oh, Michelle Roche did a matrix. I think I've coined the term doing a matrix when you slide. <laughs> I mean, yeah, brilliant. talking about slipping, there is a really funny video hmm, of me when okay. I when I was up on um, doing the Horseshoe Ridge in some of the worst weather I've had on Brecon. Very similar. So Mick and um, Mick and Brian know about the weather conditions yeah. on Brecon. It was almost identical to that day. Coming down just after Jacob, coming down cribbing actually. And I was on the video and I was trying to do like a promotional video, like, hey guys, Dave here from Evertrek. The first of all, the wind was like, Poof! so you couldn't hear me. So I was like, and then all of a sudden you just see me go, <laughs> just slip <laughs> on camera. Brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. Always, uh, Bri, always... that wasn't me, but um, uh, Bri was saying, was that you that phoned me the other night and practiced your breathing exercises? Uh, no, no, I, I, I don't do it in the nights, just during the day. So, yeah, if I phone you during the day, Bri, that might be me. Um, <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, I hope you, hope you go back to them um, and yeah, found out why they were heavy breathing. I don't yeah, know. yeah. Maybe they just climbed Jacob's ladder. They might have just 1471 you, Bri, to get you back, you know, so. Um... <laughs> you were, uh, Jane mentioned, um, can, can, she, uh, can she see that video of you slipping, Dave? um yeah I'll, I'll send it to you jane i'll find it and put it up uh put it post it on the group yeah i'll post it on the group and um yeah I got that anyway if he doesn't i'll put it on there <laughs> yeah yeah it's um i think i think we edited it didn't we because at the end i think there was some four letter words that initially some came colorful out. Words there, yeah, some colorful cool. words yeah but no it was um it was amazing like, in my head I think I was like Simone Biles in the air like spinning and then like landing wow. perfectly i think in reality it was more like i don't know I've always described, have you ever seen an albatross walking across rocks? Like how ungainly and weird it is? That's kind of what I was like. That's how Dave hikes. Analogy <laughs> of the week, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, Dave, look, um, great. I think we covered a lot of questions today. I, I hope that's been valuable, um, you know, if you've, if you've joined in, um, in terms of training and, 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 you know, where you need to do, what you need to go, how you need to think about things, you know, just to sort of cover off, you know, in terms of, um, you know, remember time over distance, um, you know, is always something that is more important getting out into the mountains or swimming if you're drunk uh or leah uh yeah it, it all helps guys uh or ramona yeah swimming no, champ from, from ireland to the uk uh, yep. <laughs> um yeah but obviously fitness is so important um don't forget about the other stuff though um jerome mentioned he only drank one and a half liters on killy you definitely want to be aiming for four um yeah. you know so, so some of the top things we, we've covered today um and yeah I, we put the link in regarding some of the training weekends if you're interested uh, I'll come in some of those. It'd be great to see you. Um, yeah, if you are booked on any trip this autumn, don't forget we have sent a little update today. I sent a little video update to, to everyone this autumn. If you're booked in anywhere in Nepal, Tanzania, or South America, just a little update from us. Um, we're going to be trying to uh, hype it up these updates now as we get closer and closer to running trips. 
um, just to give you a little bit of insight into our world so you can know exactly what you know we're, we're like you guys we're, we're, we're waiting for you know what comes off the list what comes on the list what happens in country what we can do we'll be updating you but uh, dave yeah any any final thoughts mate before we uh finish uh no that's um that's pretty much it for me those of you that are coming to the training weekend uh see you friday yes yeah um, at, uh, yeah the uh white heart inn at talibont um yeah we'll see you there see you there yeah great yeah i really can't wait first training weekend we've been able to do since 2019 yeah, and I might, uh, I might have action. I did think I might try and do a bit, but I don't know. Take it easy, Dave. You can manage base camp, mate. We'll, we'll, we'll be, we'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. Great. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, everyone. Yeah, if you're on the training weekend, I'll see you on Friday. If not, I'll see you next Tuesday. Um, and yeah, anything you need, just give us a buzz. I nice shouldn't take it easy. Bye. Awesome. So I hope you enjoyed the uh, another episode of the Mountain Malarkey podcast. Um, yeah, that was something a little bit different, wasn't it, from the Tuesday tune-in, but I hope yeah. you enjoyed it. I must say, you were brilliant on that episode, Ant. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks. Now, if, uh, if you've enjoyed it, don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast. Um, you know, all these uh, podcasts we put together, the episodes, trying to reach as many people as possible. And if it's helped you, leave us a lovely review. Um, and yeah, we'll see you again next week. Yeah, all the best, guys. Bye. <laughs>